party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, where the gaming table is always set for two. I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer, screaming into his phone because his blue yeti is on the fritz. This week I am joined by Richard Kreutz Landry for a game of Era, an epic storytelling game designed to emulate myths like Conan, Hercules, Judge Dredd, and other big legendary epic tales. It's very cool, I had a lot of fun with this recording, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Richard, in addition to just being an all-around good dude, is one of the design team behind the upcoming role-playing game Descent into Midnight, which is the game about psychic defenders of an undersea kingdom. It sounds dope as hell, and I cannot wait for you to hear more about it. You can check that out at DescentIntoMidnight.com. You can also find more information about Era in the show notes. Before we dive in, I have two shows that I want to tell you about in the next few weeks that I think you're going to be pretty excited about. First, I am sitting down with my good friends at the Plus Two Comedy Podcast Thursday, December 7th at 8 p.m., recorded live at Gamer's Vault in Medford, New Jersey, to talk about Party of One, All My Fantasy Children, and most importantly, the Talkin' Nogcast. If you're in the Jersey area, you should come out. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's also going to be a game with a giveaway and a prize if you bring a prize to wager yourself. So if you're in the Jersey area, come out, bring a prize to wager. It's going to be a blast. You can also watch that live at twitch.tv slash plus two comedy. Then, on December 17th, our friends at Everything is Awesome are celebrating their 100th episode with a live doubleheader. First, at 3.30 p.m., there will be a live recording of Heart Points, which is a two-player Dungeon World podcast. Obviously, being a two-player role-playing game podcast, it is very close to my heart, and I've discovered it recently, and I'm very excited to see it live, because it's very, very good! And then at 4.30, there will be the Everything is Awesome, which will be an actual play run by yours truly, I'll be running my upcoming role-playing game, Mission Accomplished, the RPG of Super Spies and Terrible Office Meetings. It's going to be real cool. You're going to want to see that. That's going to be at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. December 17th, starting at 3.30. Everything is Awesome is on at 4.30. You're going to want to be there for the whole show. It's going to be cool as hell. And with all that out of the way, let's throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week I am sitting down with Richard Kreutz Landry. Richard? Thanks so much for coming on Party of One. Hey, man. I'm super glad to be here. I've been uh, listening to the show, working through the backlog. I've got, you know, about uh, 80 more episodes to go, but I'm looking forward to them. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's doable. That's a doable backlog. Um, you know. So, uh, at the top of the show, as we always like to do, if uh, I want to throw it over to you and talk about any uh, cool projects you're working on, any uh, neat innovative role-playing games that you're developing that you might want to talk about that sort of thing uh so i am actually working on a game called descent into midnight right now it's a powered by the apocalypse uh game where you take on the role of sea creatures that you build yourself uh they've got psionic powers they have a, a, a mental link to each other a shared sanctuary that you build out through like a, a meditation technique at the beginning of the session um, and they're fighting against this like otherworldly corruption. Uh, it's it's super awesome. Uh, if you want more information, you can head over to at uh, dim. That's for Descent into Midnight RPG on Twitter, or just uh, descentintomidnight.com. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, so this week we are playing Era, which is a an epic storytelling game of epic lone heroes. Uh, it is a game that I've wanted to feature on the show for a long time. It is designed that you can play stories of a single 
a legendary protagonist in a wide variety of settings. This week we are playing classic fantasy, and I'm very excited about it. So why don't you uh, introduce us to your character this week? Sure. So uh, actually reading the book um, brought to mind, uh, you know, Conan and, and you know, these Viking legends or everything. Um, and so I immediately went a different direction. Uh, I went with a short, dumpy little uh, uh, fire wizard named Belthar Ignis Flamehammer the Fourth, um, and his his whole deal is that you know he was um, he was cursed with the boiling blood of dragons. He was born in the shadow of black scales wings. He's got spells, and uh, he's not afraid to tell you at length about how amazing he is. Um, but he's not really a fighter. He he's more the kind of guy who's going to um, you know incinerate you and everyone you love, uh, and then tell stories about it later. But uh, I don't know that he's ever picked up a sword or had the inclination to do that. I love it. This is extremely good, and I'm <laughs> extremely excited. So, a game of era is made up of seven scenes, which is called a cycle. We are going to tell this legendary chapter of our legendary hero story. The first thing that we do is we set up our one of our seven gateway scenes. Each scene is made up of one of five elements. Those five elements are fire, which represents combat and physical, uh, physical triumph. Craft, which is dark magic and summoning spirits and sort of creepy arcane things. Song, which is uh, charm and interaction and uh, manipulation and negotiation. Granite, which is the uncovering of lore and the solving of mysteries. And then ice, which is agility and dashing and daring do and all of that good stuff. So I'm going to choose one of these elements and then I'm going to integrate it into the scene. And then you're going to choose a second element and you're going to sort of color in the rest of that scene with that. Excellent. So I'm going to say our first scene is a granite scene. It is a mystery. Uh... We open on the small mining town of Castleford. Castleford, uh, in the shadow of this, the eponymous castle, um, it is this big, old, kind of abandoned fort. And it's sort of an industrious mining town, you know, there's not a lot to it. Not really the kind of town where things, where heroes go out or where, like, people come in, it's pretty, it's quiet, it's quaint, it's out of the way, it's the kind of town where nothing really happens. Nobody comes, nobody Ex goes, it's terrible. Yeah, basically. Is that the Waiting for Godot quote? Something like that. Uh. Something like that. <laughs> um, it's exactly that, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's, it's, it's a nowhere, it's a nowhere town, it's... Except, except, except... Um, you have received a letter from an old contact, an old contact by the name of Hogarth Sexton. Hogarth Sexton, it was an investigator in the town of Castleford. You know, the two of you went to wizard school together. The two of you went to the academy together. Mm -hmm. And he sort of became this arcane investigator and you went off to claim your fortune and he's written you because he says, like, I think I need your particular set of skills to 
put away something that is larger than either of us. I think I've stumbled onto something in Castleford that I don't think I'm properly equipped for. All right. Uh, so shall we add another another thing? Let's um. Let's go ahead and add craft as well. Um, and let's say, uh, do we, do we know, did he say what it was at all? Yes. The, the letter describes a, uh, a crack in the earth of a breaking a, like a vein in a mine deep and deep underneath Castleford that he, that Hogarth swears is growing. It's it's the, it's like they struck oil, but that oil is just emptiness, and it's just a void that seems to be growing. But he swears the problem is that no one no one is acknowledging this. He he has found these reports and he has seen it. The letter states that I've seen it. I've seen it with my own two eyes, but no one will acknowledge this creeping chasm. That when could it? They could consume castleford if not the world Mm, that does not sound good all right um so yeah let's let's go ahead and add craft as the other element for this scene um okay and having to do with sort of the arcane dark arts and all that um i want to say that uh there is an old sort of um, like hedge witch, maybe, um, who sort of is is the, the 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 sort of raving old lady that lives out on the edge of town. And uh, if you if you get into a mining accident, she's sort of the last resort. If um, if nothing else works, as far as you know, getting healed and all that. And, uh, and we'll call her, um, let's see, let's call her old lady Jenkins. Jenkins is a good name for an old, old Can't head. Can't go wrong lady. with old lady Jenkins. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I'd say that maybe she knows something. Maybe she's the one mm. person that, that, uh, Hogarth has not gone to talk to, uh, maybe because there's some history there. Um, you know, mm, I like that. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's also that there's like there's kind of a uh, a stigma to it, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't necessarily like you don't because if if he were to go to old lady Jenkins, that kind of implies that like something is seriously wrong, and mm-hmm. with the and the sort of conspiracy that he's describing to you. It feels like that might tip people off that he's trying to investigate something. Yeah. When it seems like this this sort of like aggressive denial that anything mm-hmm. is happening. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Alright, so Belthar Ignis Flamehammer the Fourth travels on the road to Castleford, the mining town. He comes to the outskirts of town and stumbles across this old run-down ramshackle cottage. This must be old Lady Jenkins' place that Hogarth told me about in the letter. Yes, it is, um... It is. It, it looks almost like a uh, 
you would swear it was just like a shed. It's like a one mm-hmm. room, tiny, like half wood and a half like aluminum, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Like it's, and it just it's beaten down. Mm-hmm. You head, you head, you knock. The door swings open, and you peek your head inside, and it's hello. It is I, Belthar Ignis Flamehammer the Fourth. Your voice echoes out in a way that it shouldn't in this one-room shed, and you look around, and it is a sprawling manor. There are shelves upon shelves, and rows on rows and shelves, and there are there's al- there's a huge alchemist's lab. It is a complex. It's bigger on in the here. inside. Huh? Who would have thought? So, uh... How dare you? How dare you? How dare <laughs> it had you, to be done. How dare you bring this done. into my... How dare you bring this into my home? <laughs> so, yeah, you start... You look around, and... Old Lady Jenkins... You feel a tapping on your shoulder, like a... Like a th- hard thunk of wood, and you turn around, and Old Lady Jenkins... All tattered rags... You know, tattered rags with a big curled staff is kind of standing behind you, and she just says, Took you long enough. Yeah! I mean, hello! Wait. Come, come, there's much to discuss. Yes, yes, yes there is. And And she starts, like, handing you off books and things, and sort of, like, trying to, like, catch you up to speed, but almost like she knew more than... She should have any right to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she knows what's up. So why don't we make some rolls? Okay. Let's determine how this scene goes from. So, <laughs> uh, rolls in era is we. Uh, there are three phases. We're gonna make three rolls, and that'll determine the your success in unearthing sort of the nature of this conspiracy. So, uh. I think this is a good opportunity for a, I think this is a good opportunity for a conflict okay. um, to sort of understand like where you are in the conspiracy, right? Mm-hmm. So the way conflicts work in era, uh, the first thing we do is we determine our elements and we determine our intent. Um, our elements are the, the elements that we've chosen for the scene, so we already have them in front of us. Uh, that would be granite and craft. And then we each determine our intent, what we want out of out of this this exchange. So what I want, my intent is to keep you from figuring out what the chasm is. You know, the conspiracy, the mystery is trying to keep itself hidden from you. Mm. I think um, Belthar's intent is to... He wants to figure out... Who is in charge of the conspiracy? Like, he he doesn't... He's not as concerned about fixing the actual problem at this point because he, just, he knows sure. he can. So he wants to find out, um, like, why people are keeping it a secret and who's in charge. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right, yeah, I can, go, I can get down with that. So... Uh, now that we've kind of gotten our intent down, now we determine our dice pool. Uh, to determine a dice pool, you're going to take some the following things. You're going to take one of the elements involved in your conflict. 
So for me, I am going to take uh, my granite because my granite represents the conspiracy in the shadows. So I'm going to take a D8. I'm, and you can take two of your trappings. Your trappings are things in your possession. They are your. They are. They are uh, Han Solo's blaster. They are Judge Dredd's uh, hover bike. That sort of thing. So you can take uh, two of those, the dice associated with them, provided that they fit with the element given in the scene, mm-hmm. and two pieces of lore. The lore being, you know, the legend of your legendary hero. Okay. Um. So, looking at that, uh, I've got a D10 in craft for being an incinerator of lesser beings. Um, but I feel like the granite actually fits better, even though it's lower. Uh, he's the keeper of arcane mysteries, um, which which feels more uh, feels more in keeping with this because I don't think he's gonna like mm-hmm. threaten to just like burn her to a crisp. Um, which I feel like would be more the, the incinerator thing. Uh, he doesn't really have any trappings that are going to help. Um, but as far as lore, um, he was the decipherer of Crandall's last will and testament, um, which was just a whole big mess uh, with, with lots of people involved and, and nasty secrets. Uh, so I, I think he's pretty good at that. So he's actually just running in there with um, with 2d6 as his pool. Okay. Um, so if possible, you are going to... We have three phases. You want to assign at least one dice to every phase if possible. Since you only have two dice, you can only assign them to two of the three phases. Uh, you'll have 1d6 in each of those. Yep. <laughs> so... Um, I'm going to lay out my dice pool, and then I will tell you, because I don't actually roll the dice, the way that it works for adversaries, or for the, for, yeah, for adversaries, is uh, I just give you the number that you have to beat. Alright. There's four levels, I'm going to call this a minion level, I don't think this, this is fairly, <laughs> you know, I want to get you into this, this is, this is kind of like hooking you into things, so mm-hmm. I think I'm going to keep, the, keep this as fairly low difficulty. But uh, so so I have three dice that I'm throwing in a D8 of granite because this is a conspiracy in the shadows, um, a D6 for a trapping of old lady Jenkins because you don't know if you can trust her and she seems to know more than she's letting on, mm-hmm. and a D6 for a piece of lore which is uh, something ancient, powerful, and as old as time itself. Yikes. So, uh, for each of those, I've, so that means I have three dice, which means one dice goes into every dice pool. All right. You're going to want to beat the following numbers. Two, and then the second phase you'll want to, the second and third phases you'll want to beat just, you'll want to just roll higher than a one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's start out with the first one. Okay. Dropping a D6 into that, and I got a three. Okay, you have succeeded in the first phase. Um, you piece together... You start looking through things, and you figure out that uh, there's something in that fort. You know, you're looking through old history books, and there doesn't seem to be any reason for there to be a fort here. It's not especially. It's not an especially tactical location. It's not especially... Oh, wait, no, never mind. I take all of that back. We're supposed to do that later. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. 
So go ahead and roll your other two dice. All right. So you succeeded in the first phase. Roll your other two dice. Uh, so the second phase, I would say, would be the... That was the Lady Jenkins one. I think I'm just going to yep. uh, forfeit that. I think we'll leave the mystery there. Okay. Um, and then the last one, the ancient... Whatchamacallit? Uh, rolled a four. So he's got this. Okay. Excellent. So... Um, so you have won the most phases, which means that in our next phase, which is declaration, you get to make the first declaration. The way this works is we now collaboratively decide the results of this conflict. Okay. Um, you make a declaration first. We make three declarations because we had three phases of dice rolling. Mm -hmm. So you'll have three between three and five declarations each time. We have three. So you'll make one. And then I will make one. And yeah, you'll make one. I'll make a second one. You'll make the third one. So I think uh, based on based on what he's found, he finds that there is an old, old, old family uh, as part of this, uh, you know, this, this old mining town and the sort of headman of the village um, is actually descended from the Lord who built the, uh, the castle here and has fallen on hard times. And so, uh, you know, like five or six generations ago, they were nobility, but now they're just head of the peasants. Mm hmm. Okay. You also find that there's a lot of, so you don't so so this four you're looking into the history of it and there's not really a clear reason why it exists. It's not especially a tactical location. It wasn't a place that was being fought over. This is so out of the way that there's no reason for a military presence to be here. There's some other reason why they felt the need to build battlements, but all of that stuff seems to be like wiped from the history books. This fort seems to exist, but no one can quite point to why that is. Interesting. Uh, all right. And then we have one more, right? One more declaration. Yes. All right. So I think the other thing that, um, he figures out is he's looking at, um, sort of the, the sketches of the, of the castle from, um, different eras, you know, different uh, pictures in these books. And he notices that while, the sort of, you know, run down, um, look of it now, uh, everything is set up to look like sort of your average castle. Um, when it was first built, it looked weird and, and strange. And after staring at it for a while, he realizes that with a normal castle, everything is built so that it's built in defensive layers, right? So if you get through the first outer wall, you know, you, you move to the next wall, etc., etc. Only with this, it's backwards. The layers seem to be focused on keeping something in instead of keeping something out. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's fantastic. Okay. So, you've unearthed a little bit of this mystery. There's something in that fort that seems to be kept in, not out. There's still this gaping chasm. There seems to be something or someone, like, wiping history, chunks of history from Castleford. 
And now we set up, now we begin setting up our pathway scenes. This, these are the scenes in which you uh, take on the challenge head on and sort of we build towards our big climax. Right. There are five of these scenes, one of which will involve every one of our five elements. Uh, and there's some particulars that I'll get into as we go. But uh, as you won, you kind of get to me- you get to pick the first element of the first pathway scene. What does Belthar do next? Uh, I think that he is going to attempt to make um, a, a stealthy reconnoiter of the castle itself, um, which is kind of funny because he's a, he's a dumpy little short dude in sweet wizard robes that is not at all subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's his, that's his plan. Um, you know, most of what he's, he's, he's been able to do that in the past because, you know, back at the wizard Academy, everybody was wearing sweet wizard robes and, you know, that was just how things were. So now that he's out in the world Mm -hmm. and really getting into those adventures, he hasn't quite grasped that, that part of things yet, but he's going to try. Uh, so element wise, I think that would be ice because he's going to try and sneakily Mm -hmm. get around. Okay, fantastic. Now I get to choose the second element of the scene. And for this, I am going to choose, if you are trying to sneak into the fort, um, I think it is going to be fire. Oh good, he likes fire. I think, <laughs> I think this is sort of a, this is a well-protected fort, right? Too protected for being out in the middle of nowhere, but it's well-protected. And I think... Um, you know, you can sneak in, but it, but I think they're kind of, especially now with sort of this creeping chasm, I think now they're way more willing to, if they see someone sneaking around, just take them out mm-hmm. outright. Like, the town guard is, is told to just make anyone go away. <laughs> so, uh, now we begin putting our dice pools together. All right. Using uh, our fire and ice elements, as we sort of set, as we describe the scene, we put our dice pools together. First, the first dice I'm going to add in is a D6 for uh, spies, mundane and arcane. As sort of uh, these town guards are all kind of like shifty-eyed and looking at each other, like keeping keeping close eyes, almost like patrolling a jail or a prison mm-hmm. they're watching they're watching each other and they're making sure that like they they're also they're they're making sure that no one gets in and they're making sure that they look casual that they don't look like they're making a scene mm-hmm. all right um i'm gonna throw in his uh his d4 for mildly asthmatic for ice i think that one of the things he's going to try to do is is climb over the wall um mm-hmm at one of the, the points where it's broken down a little bit. Um, and he's going to have to struggle to, uh, to not give himself away by panting loudly as, uh, as exercise is not something that he is regularly involved in. Okay. For my next, I am going to drop in a D four, a D four of lore, which is that, uh, the lore is knowledge beyond natural. 
and like you're creeping along and you're sort of you you have to hide behind a wall right mm-hmm. as you as two guards walk by and you hear them talking and you hear one of them say to the other we have to be on lookout the the omen said that there would be an interloper on the fort on this night we cannot allow that to happen something has foretold that you would be here something that couldn't have possibly have known because you are belthar and that is and then you make your own decisions there is nothing <laughs> that makes decisions for you but something has knowledge otherworldly that has that has foreseen you coming to this spot all right uh i'm going to then uh contest that with a a d10 of fire because he has been cursed by the boiling blood of dragons and i think that this sort of premonition this this power this fate that has swept him up in it uh he has been prepared for that and some other greater force has destined him uh to be here and to do this it's it's not just that he is here to be stopped it is here that he uh that that he's here to stop it as well and uh, the last dice that I'm going to add is another piece of lore, because none of my trappings really fit here. Um, and that is a D8 of fire for Warlord of the Ancient Armies. Ooh. You watch these soldiers walking around, this like town guard, right? It's a town guard yeah. for a mining community out in the middle of nowhere. You should they should not be armored and trained in the way they are, but you're watching them march and they are precise. Almost like clockwork. They're they're they're, they're perfectly in sync. They are armed to the teeth and you can tell like the way that they carry their swords on their side, they're trained in using them. All right. This this army has seemingly been united and been fortified by something. But what could fortify an army in this way? All right. I think uh, for my last thing, I'm going to save the one I was thinking of, but I'm going to go with uh, his, his trapping of... Um, he actually uh, has... He grew up in a long line of... Um, of wizards and sorcerers and uh etc uh so he actually inherited um usain the speedy's golden sandals of alacrity okay so that's perfect that is a very good that is a very good (laughs) trapping to use here um so he is going to use that to scurry out of the way uh as as this uh, uh patrol of guards that he was not expecting uh, them to be so vigilant uh, is coming around a corner, and so he scurries away uh, into a dark corner um, and holds his breath as they they trump by in their uh, in their noisy armor and, and kit. Okay, perfect. Um, you have the option of dropping in another trapping or another piece of lore if you like, because I believe you used one piece of lore, one trapping, and one dice. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so you have the option of two more dice if you'd like. I have nothing else I can really add here, especially within the elements of fire and ice. All right. Uh, I, I am going to drop in an additional D4 uh, because he is the fastest wand in the West. 
end of the third floor of the dormitory in the wizard school. Perfect. Excellent. Okay. Uh, well, now we break our dice into four, uh, into uh, th- three phases. Alrighty. So now we resolve the scene. Um, the way this works is I give you the ch- I give you three challenge numbers based on the dice that I've assembled. You can assemble your dice into whichever order you like from there. And then we make our declarations. Uh, I'm going to call this a standard challenge. This is a little trickier because you're starting to get into dangerous territory. So I am going to... It is going to be uh, a two, a three, and a four are my three phases. Those are the three numbers that you want to beat. So you can arrange your your four dice into any which way you want. Okay. Uh, But you have to put at least one dice into each. Okay. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and start off uh, facing off against that two with a D6. Okay. And got a six. Fantastic. Uh, We're going to go against the three with a pair of D4s. And got a four. And we're going against the four with a D10. And he made it with a six. Fantastic. All right. Um, Okay. So now... um, you actually get to make three declarations, all of which come true because you won. You won all three phases of the conflict. <laughs> tell me what. Tell me what happens. Uh, so Belthar um, is, of course, uh, being the very much the hero of his own story, uh, narrating it to himself as he goes very quietly. Wow. Belthar has snuck past those silly guards talking about who knows what. Oh, they almost got me, but I'm too quick for them. Ha ha. So he, uh, he lets them go by and he's sneaking, uh, through, he's gotten up over that broken part of the wall. He's, he's worked his way in. Um, I think he gets to, um, a, a point where there is like a, uh, a pair of guards outside of some sort of like central keep or something. Um, and there is uh, one of them very obviously like has a, a key around their neck. Um, and it looks like, okay, this, this goes into something that, uh, you know, is, is well guarded and like, this is the place to be. He's pretty sure that that's the way, um, uh, he needs to go. Uh, the second thing would be that, um, he, one of the, they, they switched the guard out, um, like on the hour and he hears them talking about Mm -hmm. that. So he knows when the next, um, he knows when the, the, they're going to switch next. And the third thing I would say, um, is that there's, Hmm. Uh, well, I'd say that actually, I think that's probably a pretty good yeah. three things, right? Yeah. You've avoided the guards, you've gotten the key, you know, you're, there's no guards around when you find where to use the key. Yeah. I think that's a good three declarations, and I think that actually really nicely sets up our next scene. Okay. 
So uh, for our next scene and for all subsequent scenes until we get to our finale, uh, we're going to follow the same structure where we choose two elements, but they can't be the elements we used in the previous scene. They have to be different elements. And over the next four scenes, we have to use all four elements twice. So okay. all of that is to say um, you open, you find sort of a chamber. It's in the low, you know, you make your way through a few layers of this fort, right? Awesome. You find your way through a few levels of protections, and you find your way into this chamber. You open the key, and it's this long, twisting skeleton key, right? Like, it doesn't look like it's... It looks like it's made for such a particular lock Mm -hmm. that you almost don't recognize it as a key at first. You open the door, and there is an obelisk in the middle of the room. Perfect... Uh beautiful sort of a purple crystal right mm-hmm. but it's been cracked and broken Ooh. and it feel and you walk in and there's a pulse of energy and i'm gonna say the element for this scene is craft all right now you choose uh no i'm sorry actually you choose the first element of that scene. that's exactly what i would have gone with <laughs> perfect craft is the first element uh then i get to choose the second element and i am gonna go with granite i'm gonna i'm gonna go with granite because like you're surrounded like this this is a weird thing that they're protecting and you have to try to understand it all right and now we build the dice pool yeah yes uh i'm gonna start with a d12 Ooh. Which is uh, powers arcane and otherworldly. There's weird. There's not even necessarily like evil or dark magic. There's weird magic in here. Like this is this is not something they taught you in school. Mm-hmm. And you're feeling like physics. Like you kind of uh, you open the door, you walk inside, and your hat starts to float away a little bit, and you kind of have to catch it. And you start walking towards it, and suddenly you find yourself walking on the wall. Like, physics and physics and the laws of nature are starting to not work here. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to go ahead with, uh, with my element. I'm going to go for craft. And, uh, you know, he, he is an incinerator of lesser beings. He has no fear that he has the power necessary to do what needs to be done here uh whether that is you know sort of wielding just arcane energies or just blasting this thing into kingdom come awesome um i am also going to add uh this is really neat this is a thing i like about the system is i'm starting to like by stating the things that I've written into my challenges lore, mm-hmm. I'm starting to tell you about the world in ways that your character hasn't quite figured out yet. So you're kind of starting. So you, the player, are starting to get the sense of what's happening even before your character does, mm-hmm. and it informs the choices that you're going to make later. Right. All of that is to say, I'm going to drop in a D10 for my craft lore, a god in the void. Oh no. <laughs> All right. Uh, He does not have any trappings that will help. Uh, So he's got his lore. Um, We're going to go back to uh, the decipherer of Crandall's last will and testament. 
um, because that was a, actually a dispute over um, an old magical item, uh, and, uh, and and that's what the whole mystery was about: is is all these people jockeying to uh, to gain possession of this this old scepter. Okay, um, I'm also going to add a d6 of another d a d6 of granite lore which is uh as old which is uh, a secret which is as old as time itself <laughs> so you know there's it's that this it's that it's that you've 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 seen this is clearly what they've been protecting for generations so clearly what it was here is something that is old and important and now it's broken in a way that like it shouldn't have been mm-hmm um and he's going to come back with uh with craft a d8 uh he was born in the shadow of black scales wings mm-hmm. and so there there is sort of that that shadow this darkness over his life um that has sort of been there in his family for generations as well uh black scale being one of the oldest dragons uh in the land with a reputation for uh strange knowledge and mysteries and powers uh that other dragons of legend just don't have i don't have anything else i can add if you have anything else you want to throw in you can throw in nope that's it that's all he's got (laughs) okay great uh so we do our three phases of conflict of uh the numbers you're going to want to beat are uh phase one is a three phase two is a five and phase three is a six Ooh, all right uh we're gonna we're gonna start against that three with a d6 and nope that's a one uh we're looking against a five on a d8 Uh, that's a big fat nope and uh it was a six right for the last one yep and that's a three he is uh he's not doing so hot rad excellent (laughs) excellent excellent i get to make three declarations i feel like is is perfect for he he's feeling like oh I'm so smart you know I'm doing great and then he walks into this room and is like duh mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you actually know what this is and that's why this is terrible okay the first declaration is you actually immediately recognize this as a binding stone this is something that was put into place to keep someone um, in essentially a pocket dimension. You know, you've seen these sort of, you've seen these used in some of the, the arcane, the arcane prison, Mm -hmm. which is the sort of uh, establishment of the Sky City. Yeah. It's one of their less popular practices because it's pretty horrific. They like, they, they, they craft a stone and they put someone basically in the stone and put them like in a void. Okay. So they Superman them. They Superman. Okay. Yeah, it's Supermaning somebody. <laughs> um, the second declaration is you're what you're looking at it. You kind of peer into one of the broken fragments of the of the uh, the binding stone, and you see the mine. You see, and you're 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 seeing more of the mine every second. And the third, and setting up our next scene. Is you. It takes you a moment too long 
to feel the tentic like the slimy tentacle oh. entangling your ankle <laughs> as something from the binding stone starts to like ooh, like snake its way out around your ankle. Oh, this is excellent. <laughs> yep. So for our next scene, uh, we choose we cannot choose craft or granite. Alright. So our options are uh Fire, ice, and or for our uh, first it, element, it, it's song of fire or ice. Nah, I dare, get out. <laughs> We're done. Now. This episode is never coming out. Uh, so for our first element, our options are either fire or song, and I'm gonna go with uh, fire. This is definitely a fire scene. Something you turn and there is uh, something you know tentacles uh, and fan like a. a a viscous cloud of tentacles and fangs has started to ooze out of one of these broken fragments, almost like something is crawling out of the void. Oh, oh, all right. And now you may choose either ice or song as your second element. I'm going to go with song. I think it's time for him to, uh, to, to let this thing know who's boss. If, if at all possible. Okay. Okay. Uh, first element I'm gonna throw a d6 at you. As this thing is one of this thing is one of my spies, mundane and arcane. This otherworldly creature, you get the sense that this is not. You know, you you get a mat, a mystical sense that this is not the. Uh, this is not the the thing. This is mm-hmm. one of its minions, right? Okay. It is something to, that it sent at you to sort of dispatch you, stop you from stopping this. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go in with uh, with song, uh, a D8 because I'm the greatest wizard you've ever heard of. You you have heard of me, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, I am now also going to throw at you a D8 for uh, my trapping, which is the assassin beast. No. Oh. All right. Uh, he's going to respond with fire. Uh, one of the uh, one of his signature abilities that got him into a great deal of trouble um, back at the wizard school was his uh, his penchant for using black scale the terrible's fiery breath. Mm, um, I love it. You know, it's a great party trick, but uh, only until things start burning down around you at the party, and then people don't invite you back and. You know, yeah. Uh, I'm also going to throw at you another D8 for, again, Warlord of Ancient Armies. This thing is a conjuration of something ancient and terrible. All right. Uh, It's like lumbering towards you and ah. the smoke is starting to surround you. And it is clear that it is going to dispatch you effortlessly if you do not act decisively. All right, uh, he, he's going to use his, his trapping of fire, uh, his D10 cursed by the boiling blood of dragons, because this is, this is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yep, that's all I got. So those are my, those are my three pools. If there's anything else you want to add, uh, you can not- You can add two trappings, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's going to add a D6 for... I am Belthar Ignis Flamehammer the Fourth. 
Perfect. Uh, I love it. All right, let's do it. So, okay. Uh, the numbers that you have to beat are a three, a four, and a four. All right. Uh, so first up, we'll do uh, the three on a D8. That's an eight. Uh, the four with a D8 and a D6. And he just makes that. And then Excellent. he's looking at, uh, what was it, a five? No, another four on a D10. Another four. Nope. So he won uh, two out of three. Okay. Uh, so you get to make the first declaration. And then I'll make one, and then you'll make a second one. And this will set up our next scene. Okay. So I think that the his reaction to this at first is sort of... Um, he, he's looking at it and... Uh, is that a binding stone? Wow! And, he, you know, he's... <laughs> he's just like, wow, that's really good. Wait, no, that's bad. And then he feels the, the sort of slimy um, tentacles uh, reaching out for him. And I think the first thing he does is he just, uh, uh, you know, he is small and, and, uh, you know, he had been bullied a little bit before people realized that he could burn your face off. And, and so his first instinct is to, uh, you know, stomp down on the top of, uh, of your foot. And, uh, and so that's what he does is he stomps on the first little tentacle that comes for him and it sort of pulls back, uh, Mm -hmm. not quite expecting that from uh from this little little dumpy dude rad um the declaration i will make is uh my declaration is uh it reels back you stomp on the tentacle you kind of force it back a little bit but there's a second aspect to the assassin beast that you don't fully get a handle on until it's a moment too late which is that that smoke the smoke uh the smoke that it is sort of surrounding you and you're starting to see shapes. You're starting to see shapes that, uh, are not of this world. It seems to be, uh, surrounding you, right? Mm -hmm. It seems to be dragging or like bringing not necessarily taking you to another place but bringing and bringing pieces of this other place to you right so i think for for the third declaration um one of the things that he has to do uh to do the fiery breath is he sort of like he he takes a deep a deep breath and some of that smoke kind of gets into his lungs right before he he sort of erupts with fire um and creates sort of this like you know flamethrower effect that sort of shrinks the thing back um but there's that you know he has now taken in part of this darkness as he blows this you know before he blows this fire um to to push the creature back excellent so yeah, you 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 blow the creature away, right? Mm-hmm. It you torch it, but you're in this fog now, and that starts our next pathway scene. Okay. Which, uh, as the person who got two declarations, you get to dictate whether uh, your two elements of choice are granite or song. Um, I think. 
Oh, okay. Um, let's go with let's go with granite. I think um, the the realization of sort of like what this is and what it could be is starting to set in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as he has pulled that inside of himself, he gets that like that instant connection and recognition of like, oh, this is this is beyond my experience. And there's that. Um, there is that sort of weird tentative connection between him and this otherworldly thing. Now that there is a part of him that, that is that thing. And I'm going to go with craft as the second element, because you're in this otherworldly place and you have to understand it's, I think the challenge is like understanding and trying to adapt to Basically, the otherworldly reality that has sort of put you, that is sort of around you now. Like, you're not, mm-hmm. you're still, you can still tell that you're in the ch- the summoning chamber, or the, the binding chamber, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But, like, you feel this other world, this other dimension kind of surrounding you, and it's kind of understanding, almost having to reteach yourself, like, the laws of, like, gravity and things. Right. So the, uh, so I'm gonna throw a d12 at you. Ooh. For, uh... Powers arcane and otherworldly. As, like I said, like, it's just, there's all, like, Kirby crackle in the air, so there's just pulsating Mm -hmm. energy, and, you know, you're seeing, like, asteroids floating around. Like, it's all real deep space cosmic magic type shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, you know, he's, he's still trusting to his his superiority even though like in the in the face of this um this sort of this raw power and and weirdness in the sense that he might be in over his head i think he's doubling down on like you know who i am is i am an incinerator of lesser beings like i i am i am this hero i am not going to uh succumb just because this thing that might be more powerful than me that hopefully isn't, uh, is trying to take me down. All right. Um, I'm going to now add, I don't have any real trappings. Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm going to add a D four from craft as, uh, you see floating on these, these like stones, like you see, sort of surrounding you um ancient their skin withered and tight on their bones generation upon generation of the ford clan the people oh. the people that founded castle rock seemingly all dragged into this otherworldly abyss at no. some point or perhaps even willingly gave themselves over oh. floating around all surrounding something but like clearly this has been a pact that they have made for generations that always ends with them floating endlessly in a void that's terrifying um, right um, i think uh i think i'm gonna bring in again the uh the the decipher of crandall's last will and testament um, I think floating in the void uh, is, 
you know, there's, there's all these, these weird, strange shapes. Um, but among them, you know, you have these sort of like old desiccated Fords and everything. Um, but I like to think that there's also, uh, like, you know, the bones of other people that they have sacrificed to this place, mm-hmm. um, sort of floating around. And he, he grabs this like femur and wields it like a magic wand. Like that's um, rad. That rules. Um, I'm going to throw another D10 at you for craft of uh, the God in the void. Now you see what all of the, the four uh, clan members are floating around What this generations of old, like aristocrats are floating around. And it is bound to one of these massive asteroids with glowing iridescent shackles. It is Azektorak, the shackled god of tyranny. Ooh. Okay. Um, I think what's going to happen is he's going to he's going to focus this, this energy that he has into, um, into this femur that he's wielding. Right. It's, it's, he's remembering the, you know, the, the scepter and he's, he's again, he's doubled down on his identity that, you know, he is, um, he is Belthar Ignis Flamehammer the fourth. And from his back, because this is, you know, th- this is not a, this is not a part of reality. This is something else entirely. Um, wings like black scales, um, whose blood may or may not truly run through what? his veins, erupt, and he uses that to fly forward toward this god. So, Rad yes, as bored in the shadow of Black Scale's wings, and I think uh, the last thing I'm gonna, the last dice I'm gonna throw at you is a d d six of granite, because I think um, bound as bound as he is to the to these shackles, he is still a Zekdrak is still as old as time oh, and yeah. still knows all of your tricks and has seen them a thousand times over. Mm-hmm. And suddenly like energy begins crackling around him as he prepares to take you on head, take you on head on. Mm-hmm. So now we roll our dice. Um, <laughs> three phases. This is going to be an epic challenge. This is going to be an elite uh, this is going to be a legendary challenge. Yeah. What am I talking about? I, I, I think he's going to get his butt handed to him. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, you're going to want a 10. There are three are a 10, a 10, and a 12. All right. Uh, well, considering I've got a D10, a D6, and a D8, uh, we'll see how this goes. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, we got an 8. We got a one and we got a two. So, uh, yeah, so he's, he's charging headlong into this. And, and with the other, with the other hand that isn't holding the femur, he, he pulls out his actual wand and, uh, is flying straight towards it with bat wing or with, with dragon wings. And then whatever you want to happen is going to happen. It's going to be real bad. 
you collide with the form of a Zectorak, and suddenly you are back in the summoning chamber. Um, the assassin beast is dead in front of you. This was all a construct of the assassin beast. And you were, but you suddenly feel. That's the first declaration. The second declaration okay. is you suddenly feel a tickle, like a, you feel something, a pulse, a heartbeat, but also a pulsing in your head. To dunk, to dunk third deck like and suddenly that pulsing stops and you just hear Belthar Ignis Flamehammer the fourth it is a pleasure to make your acquaintance at last and the third and final declaration oh is clawed hands on the other side of town begin pulling themselves out of the creeping chasm. Oh, this is not good. Our final scene, our final pathway scene, is made up of the following two elements. Song and ice. (laughs) You hear the voice of a Zectorak in your head as he tries to... as he tries to use his true powers of... uh, Corruption and seduction and manipulation. Meanwhile, um, the town begins to be beset by these sort of otherworldly horrors. So the challenge now becomes evading, becomes resisting Ezekterak and not becoming under his thrall, mm-hmm. as so many in Shackleford, Castleford have, as so many in Castleford have, but also resist, but also as like. Bat-winged horrors begin descending on the fort and the town, simply avoiding them. So the first dice I'm going to throw at you is a D10 of song for seducer and manipulator, as he merely begins whispering in your ear, promising you power and greatness and the glory that Belthar so desperately yearns for. Oh, See, I want to respond to that with with his D8 and song that, that he's the greatest wizard you've ever heard of. But I almost feel like, <laughs> you know what? I am actually going to go with the D4 for mildly asthmatic because I think that in this moment he is realizing how outclassed he is. And so I, I think for this beat, at least um, it makes more sense for him to be, uh, to, to fail a little bit at that. Um, I'm now going to throw at you a D6 of song for I Know Your Secret Desires. He's he's playing on your insecurity. He's playing on the fact that you know you're outclassed now. He is trying to draw you into this. Uh, I think I'm going to respond to that with um, with his trapping of, of Usain the Speedy's Golden Sandals of Alacrity. Like, he... He is, as he he steps back from the sort of weirdly, you know, smoking remains of the uh, the assassin beast. Um, he he steps on, you know, a little bit of it, and he looks down and he sees these sandals, and he's reminded of of the legacy that he's a part of. Um, mm-hmm. And that, 
you know, he, he remembers the, the vague hints that, you know, he, his family has had a purpose and he wonders if, um, you know, this is what he's been bred for the, to, to be a protector against this sort of thing. Um, even while, uh, even while, uh, Exectorac is, is, um, is promising him that, you know, that he is the destiny that he was meant for. Cool as hell. Uh, the last thing I'm going to throw at you is a D4 of ice for the lore of you find yourself surrounded now. There are these, there are these, you know, horrors of all shapes and sizes have, have ta- they have taken the fort, right? Soldiers are fighting, but also some soldiers are standing right alongside them and turning into these things themselves. You're surrounded, and basically, Zekdrak just kind of whispers in your ear, there are two ways out of this. There is with me, and there is to escape into the grave. And I'm going to drop that D4, for I I see all and I know all. And I I think I am going to to drop in the the D6 of, of I am Belthar Ignis Flamehammer the fourth. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> I am Belthar Ignis Flamehammer the Fourth. Because, because he, this is his legacy. His legacy is to be strong. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have no more dice. If there's anything else you want to throw in, uh, I'm going to throw in a D4 for fastest wand in the West and of the third floor of the dormitory and wizard school. Uh, because while all of this is going on, um, I think he, you know, he, he looks down and, and he realizes that the, the, um, the thing that he had physically picked up in his other hand, he has his wand out in his left hand, uh, like he did in the vision, but, uh, but in his right hand, um, he sees a discarded chicken bone from one of the guards who'd been, mm-hmm. you know, eating in that room and, and it makes him laugh and, and realize, you know, how ridiculous the, uh, the vision was that, you know, that like, this isn't reality. It, it bolsters him a little bit, I think. Okay. Uh, the four numbers you want to get, or the three numbers you want to get are a four, a six and a 10. All right. And this will set up our final. Uh, this will set up our final gateway scene. All right. Uh, let's. I'm gonna go with the uh, the two D fours for the. Actually, no. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that against the the first one. So the the what the four. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he makes one. All right. Uh, then he rolls a three. And a six. So, uh, in order okay. that that didn't make any of them, or except the first one. So he, he got one. Okay. First declaration is. Uh, I think the first declaration is. The first declaration is you hear a whisper in your ear. That says, "You will fall, just like your friend, Sexton fell." You will die screaming. You will die powerless. And where you fell, a Zekdrak will rise. That, 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 that's not cool. 
Okay. So, so my declaration on that um, is, uh, I think that actually, um, what we what we didn't see when at the beginning uh, we you know because we we saw the letter right we saw the letter mm-hmm. from from Sexton from from Hogarth um, and you know like we we get the shot where it sort of like scrolls down and then and then pauses and you can see the the text of the letter but what we don't see that we see now is um, it we we go back to that shot and scroll down a little bit more and it says love hogarth with oh, little x's shit. and o's and so the that thing just pisses him off and mm-hmm. it, it it just enrages him and you see like you know the 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 one that he's got you know he's spouting flames at some of these these creatures who are coming up on the the outskirts of town and uh and then you get also the shot where like you know the 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 action movie thing where they've got the the two you know like machine pistols and they're spinning around and, and doing that whole thing well he's doing that with the wand and the chicken bone mm-hmm. so there's there's now flames spouting out from the the chicken bone he's taken out all these uh these minions yep and the final declaration is uh and this sets up our this sets up our final gateway scene which i'll explain <laughs> which i'll explain in a moment um, you are you are roasting these these monsters, right? You are destroying them, but in a and you shatter the bond between you and a Zekterak as you are you are recommitted to this earth. You are you are bolstered. You are powered. You unleash hell upon a Zekterak's minions, and in that moment, the binding stone shatters. All of the pieces explode. Whoa! And suddenly. Like the walls between this world and the otherworldly void begin melting, and suddenly those clouds, those visions you saw earlier, that creeping chasm that you saw through the binding stone, start emerging all around you. Oh. And in one of them, shackled, shackled, but fighting, resilient, you see Hogarth Sexton. He lives, and you can rescue him. Oh, yes! Yes! Okay. So, the final, okay, the okay, final, okay, the okay. final gateway scene. This is how we wrap it all up. <laughs> you dictate... Uh, the, you get to dictate the first element, I dictate the second. They can be any of the five elements that you want. Ooh. I, I think fire has got to be number one. Okay. I think I'm going to go with is. craft as number two. So describe okay. fire. Describe your describe fire. So the the interesting thing about um, about Belthar is is again his personal his personal courage uh, is is sorely lacking. Right, mm-hmm. his physical courage is sorely lacking. But in this moment, he has stepped up to the plate, um, and he his his sort of like the lifetime of of D zero fire not in the face um, 
has shifted in this moment. Uh, and mechanically speaking, he's going to go with Kraft and uh, take his D10 incinerator of all things. But I think it's important that 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 really it's his fire that's driving it mm-hmm. in this moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have you've un, you have you have tapped into a reserve of magical power unlike that that you've ever mm-hmm. thought about before. Meanwhile, it's I the power of love. To... Oh, go really. ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it, it's the power of love, really. Yeah. Um, and I am going to tap my uh. D12, powers, arcane, and otherworldly. As the walls between... As the walls of reality have begun to peel apart. Alright. And trappings, I mean... This is... This is the... The very purpose... uh, Of black scales fiery breath um you know black scale is a dragon who has been around for ages who has grown and cultivated the ability to destroy otherworldly threats with just the pure uh unadulterated heat of his flame and um you know he he has given some small part of that to his chosen and belthar Ignis Flamehammer the fourth is the fourth of his name and is totally going to use that to, to, to burn this guy up because because okay. all his otherworldly stuff is just nonsense. Uh, I'm going to add a d4 for the Ford clan as these ancient wizards are sort of all in Congress and you know using their power in unison to try and like bolster bolster the shackled god as he shatters his as as he hopefully shattles shatters his shackles and uh finally like arrives fully empowered into this world oh man and 100 percent uh cursed by the boiling blood of dragons i think at this point um where where the wings had disappeared before um because the the lines between reality and this this other place had had been um, you know reestablished now that they're melting away what we see is he he sprouts again these dragon wings but his features take on a sort of black scaly cast and he, mm-hmm. he looks three or four times taller and and what seems to be perhaps a tail and claws begin to form um as he steps forward uh toward the 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 place where um the worlds have collided as the sh- the stone shattered mm-hmm. uh i'm going to throw in a d10 for craft as a god in the void as he you see this you see the shackles start to crack and like the 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 stone that he has been bound to start to like disassemble as he begins to pierce the void and enter into the world. And uh, born in the shadow of Black Scale's wings. Like, he, he is no longer a shadow uh, of Black Scale. He has he become Black Scale. Uh, and that's a D8 in craft. And finally, a D8 in fire. As the warlord of the ancient armies, he is commanding the Ford clan. He's commanding his his monstrosities in the world. They are all descending on this moment, and that is a D eight. All right, uh, and I think I think that's Belthar tapped out. Yep. All right. Um, 
So we have three faces. The numbers you want to get are an eight, a nine, and a nine. Ooh. All right. Well. All right. Uh, we're going to go for the eight with a D8. Nope. Uh, we're going to go for a nine on a D10. That's a big fat nope. And uh, we're going to go for a nine on a D8 plus a D10. And he made it. So we got one of three. Okay. So um, I make the two declarations. I make the first declaration. Um, the first declaration is you are initially overpowered, right? There's just too much. You yeah. are you are unloading magical power unlike that that you have ever used before, but it is simply too much, and the laws of reality simply no longer apply. You are simply overwhelmed at that first moment, and then what happens? Ooh. I think in that moment, you know, he has moved forward. He has stepped up. Um, and he gets up to where Hogarth is, um, and he sees that he's shackled. He sees that he's trying to fight and with one clawed hand reaching out, um, and, you know, uh, holding back this onslaught as best he can, uh, with the others, he rips through the chains that are binding mm-hmm. Hogarth, and he tells him to run before um, turning his face back to uh, this this otherworldly presence and just breathing a huge gout of flame. Um, and we, you know, we we've seen this this flame before, and we know that it shifts color right as it mm-hmm. sort of um, ends uh, as it comes to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, like when, you know, we, we saw the shot of him taking out the assassin beast and there was this flame as, as it sort of faded back to reality. Um, and it shifted just like to a, a blue color right at the end. And you see this huge gout of just um, of red, orange, white, hot flame but then it shifts to blue just as Hogarth, um, you know, is able to turn away. And we know that that's all he has in him. And in that final moment, it seems, you know, you, you, you know, the, the armies of a have been defeated, have been fought back. Right. But it just doesn't seem like you have enough power. And then you feel the hand on your shoulder. And then you turn and you see book of notes in hand looking as impeccably dressed as ever hogarth and he looks oh, you in the hogarth. eyes and he says you can tell me but i will never run never in a moment like this and he lets forth an incantation and together your your fire reignites and it and it unloads on a zectrak and he's blown back and the two of you are blasted back through the one of the one of the chasms and you hit the wall of the binding chamber and suddenly as you as your energy begins to crackle and fade and you re- you regain your 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 normal form in a blast of blinding light 
the stone is reformed. The chasms dissipate. People regain their shape. Hogarth is unconscious. Aged, but alive. Hoagie, are are you all right? (coughs) Tell me you're all right. (coughs) I knew I could count on you. I knew. I knew when I found the conspiracy that there was only one person. One person. Ridiculous enough to even attempt what just happened. (laughs) And he begins to laugh. I think, uh... I think Belthar just sort of, like, takes his hand and, like, brings it to his own face, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And just, like, kind of puts it on his cheek and just kind of, like, hugs him. I think Hogarth... I think he feels your cheek, and he pulls you in for a kiss, and we get the dramatic shot of the two of you kissing, and a pan Mm -hmm. out over all of the damage as the sun begins to rise on a new day in Castleford. That is... that's, That's beautiful. I love it. And that's game. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show, uh, Richard. This was super, super fun. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, uh, real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find your work online? Oh, yes. Uh, so, uh, as I said at the top of the episode, we've got um, Descent Into Midnight at at D-I-M-R-P-G uh, on Twitter. Um, and you can find my stuff. Um, I've got a website origamigaming.com that's got a you know a little bit of gaming content a little bit of origami stuff um but most active uh would be twitter and that's r sorry at r kreutz landry so that's r k r e u t z l a n d r y um or you can you can probably find me if you uh if you hang around with uh, you know all the podcasting folks, you'll you'll see me commenting on stuff. Um, but yeah, excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was an absolute treat. And now I'm going to throw <laughs> it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take a future, me. Thanks, past me, and thanks again to Richard for coming onto the show. That game was so much fun. I loved it. It was really good. Be sure to follow Richard on Twitter at rkreutzlandry, follow Descent Into Midnight on Twitter at D-I-M-R-P-G, and check out more information about ERA in the show notes below. Then, while you're on Twitter, you can follow this show at Party of One Pod, like the show at Facebook at facebook.com slash partyofonepodcast. If you enjoyed the show, consider giving us a nice iTunes review, a social media shout-out, or a word-of-mouth recommendation to a friend. All three of those things help us achieve bigger, better, and cooler things, find new audiences, and it's just a good experience all around. You can also consider backing us on Patreon at patreon.com slash partyofonepodcast. Patreon backers get access to bonus material, mini-podcasts, and interviews, and Patreon dollars help pay for hosting fees, equipment costs, and convention appearances. If you want to hear more from me, consider checking out All My Fantasy Children, the world-building and character creation podcast in which Aaron Catano, Saez, and I take your listener prompts and spin them into beautiful, thriving, vibrant fantasy characters, the stuff of legend, and the stuff of your favorite role-playing games. That can be found at allmyfantasychildren.com. Party of One is produced and edited by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran featuring the D&D Sluggers. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates, coming onto the show, 
Or you just want to vent to me because a piece of electronics isn't working for you because, boy, do I have stories about electronics not working for me, especially in the last few days. You can reach me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. Well, that's it for me. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody.